0: I have to admit, this is still weird after three weeks. Coming into the church, having an empty church, empty chairs. But I'm I'm thinking something I hope that you realize too. You see, the church is not a building. In fact, when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is. Is he here? At the building at for One C Church, you bet. But he's also at my home on North Parkway. He's also in Arizona. He's in Wisconsin. He's in Minnesota. He's in Bulgaria. He is everywhere. And that same Jesus made a promise that I hope that we're holding on to today and tomorrow and forever. He says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That's the kind of God that we worship who cannot be confined to, well, four walls of a church, but desires to take residence in our hearts. So my prayer for all of us is that we realize how great this God is and how worthy he is of all of our praise. God bless our worship together today.
1: stars I hear I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my birth. and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God
0: great and glorious God, and welcome as we gather in worship together today. Um, Again, not within four walls, but within this world, we have a God who is with us, a God who loves us, a God who has demonstrated uh, that love in the sending of his Son. As we continue this journey, uh, we're concluding a sermon series entitled Mission Possible, and uh, I want to take you on a moment today talking about this mission of Jesus about what it's all about. And for me, I I go back to a story that we find in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is making his way through a town, and there is a wee little man. Maybe you remember the story, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he wanted to see Jesus desperately. So he did, well, what seemed to be a little strange for an adult, but he climbed up into a tree, and he was just yearning to see this Jesus. And then there's this moment where, all of a sudden, Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, you come on down here. Zacchaeus comes down. Jesus says, I want to spend time with you. So he goes to Zacchaeus' house. He has dinner with him. And then we find what I call is the mission statement for Jesus. After Zacchaeus' life was turned upside down and And all that he was doing that was really not so good, he said, Lord, forgive me. And he he was willing to do all sorts of things. But he says, today's salvation has come to this house. And then he says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Wow. That's the heartbeat of God. And that's why, um, if I can have the slide up there. Understanding the mission of Jesus, understanding the heart of God, the passion of God, uh, the direction of God is, is what we're going to do today. A little bit different. There's not just going to be one sermon, there's going to be several of them kind of broken up throughout the service. We're going to pause now. We're going to look at the heart of God in the concept of a covenant. Now, maybe you understand what a covenant is, but I had to be reminded. You know, covenant is an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties. Now, when you hear that definition, perhaps what comes to mind is that of a a marriage, right? A man and a woman making a promise to love each other till death do us part. But there's other covenants, right? Example, if you buy a house, you make this covenant between a bank and the people that are buying the house and you make a promise and you're gonna pay and they're gonna, that's how it works. But there's another level. When we talk about covenant between God and humanity, it's woven together with this definition. In divine covenants, God sovereignly establishes the relationship with his creatures. And uh, before we go any further, I want to just talk about the word sovereign. I think there's so many different uh, definitions and misunderstandings. My definition, Jim Thielen's definition of sovereign, is where the power of God and the wisdom of God intersect and then work its way through humanity and free will. Perhaps the best example I can give you is the story of the children of Israel and their slavery in Egypt and God's promise, his covenant. I'm going to get you out of there. And so God delivers them right, through the 10 plagues, which, you know, right now we understand plagues. God delivered them. And yet the journey was supposed to be, well, a 40-day journey from Egypt to the promised land. And yet because of free will, because of sin, because of, I call it spiritual ADD, the children of Israel were like doing this. And yet God still navigated them from Egypt to the promised land. That's God's sovereign power and wisdom at work. And I hope you know that power and wisdom of God as we're navigating all sorts of different things. So we're going to sing a song we believe and I pray that these words would speak uh, powerfully into our life of who we believe.
2: So I had a wonderful chance this last week to visit with Pastor Thielen for uh, a few minutes and we were talking about songs that uh, we could use here and in worship, and this is one we don't do very often, but uh, it ties back to the Apostles' Creed. And one of the things that Pastor and I have been talking about is this whole theme of never alone. And even though we're standing here in the middle of this empty sanctuary, this empty room, we know that online, wherever you're at, you're with us and we're with you. So I think it's so important that when we start talking about this song, we remember the Apostles' Creed. We remember the lines. you know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I think those are such important words that, that we need to remember. That you're never alone, and that you're always with us. We're with you, and God is with us too. So never forget that.
3: In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there is only one foundation we believe. We believe. In this broken generation, when all is dark, you help us see. There is only one salvation. We believe. and temptation. Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and he's given us new life.
0: We say we believe in a sovereign God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that God who is powerful and God who is wise continues to work throughout history at all times, keeping his will intact. Now, how does he do that? For me, it's a mystery. That's, again, the finite trying to understand the infinite. But I'm going to take you a little bit of a journey to this covenant relationship that God has with people. And we go back in time to the story of uh, God creating the heavens and the earth, and God creating Adam and Eve, God placing them in the garden, and telling them, you know, enjoy. But don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, because if you eat from it, you're going to die. Maybe you've heard me say this before, I'm not so sure that Adam and Eve understood what death was, because it hadn't happened yet, and yet you could probably if you were back then too, you probably knew that the tone on God's voice meant that if you're going to die, it's not a good thing. Well, they disobeyed. They did their thing. Um, Sin came into the world. And here's God now trying to, well, not trying, but navigating through this free will thing where they disobeyed. And so we find now God addressing. uh, Genesis 3.15, we have Um, After God spoke to Adam and Eve, now he's turning his attention to Satan, the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So now God is going to respond with power and with wisdom. He's making the first promise, this first covenant that I'm going to do something about this sin, I'm going to do something about this death that has come as a result of sin and I'm going to send my son, my very own son to come and to defeat Satan and to bring for us life and salvation. So we go from the Garden of Eden and, you know, we have some time that's transpiring, but we see the effect of sin building and building and building. To the point where God is getting, I mean, this is probably a safe way to say it. He's disgusted with his creation the disobedience, the sin, the rebellion. And now he's trying to figure out what to do. How do I do this? How do I keep my promise that I'm going to send my son? And yet this earth has gotten out of control. So then we hear about the flood. God is going to do something through this flood. Well, we have an account in Genesis chapter 9, and this is now God speaking to, to Noah. This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And so, yes, we see that rainbow. And I hope when you see that rainbow, you think of God's faithfulness and his power and wisdom, his sovereign nature. And so he spares Noah and his family and animals and puts them on the ark. The flood kind of cleanses the earth, and then the waters subside and life continues. And this covenant, this promise that is woven throughout the course of human history is still intact because God is thinking of you and me and our need for a savior, for life and forgiveness. Well, we now make our way to somebody named Abram and we find in Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, once again, I'm not sure that Abram understood what the blessing was. I mean, what does it mean to be blessed and what is this all about? Now, what we find throughout the story is through the lineage of Abram, through, from there, the promised Messiah is going to come. So it's not just about having descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I mean, that's, that's a blessing, but through him, God's covenant relationship is going to be confirmed and established and certain. And God will never forget because he loves his people. Now we go from Abram, and again, I'm skipping lots of generations and people, uh, but I don't think we want to be here for a couple hours. We'll just, we'll just jump over now to David. So here's, after David is anointed king, this is before David had his fall into sin with Bathsheba. God is addressing David. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Once again, I'm not sure if David fully understood what this promise was all about. But today we do know, right? This kingdom, this throne, I mean, it it is none other than Jesus himself, who was sent as a babe of Bethlehem, where we celebrated that on Christmas, but this same Jesus then navigated through life for 33 years, and then he is making his way to Jerusalem, and that's going to be next weekend, when we remember him coming into for the experience of Palm Sunday. And remember what happened, right? The shouts of Hosanna, the celebratory nature of what's going on. But then it continued. Sunday moved into Thursday, Maundy Thursday. And then it was Good Friday, and then his death. I mean, all these things taking place. But what we see with God keeping his covenant intact is, With every moment, with every breath, with every activity, God does not forget you and me. He understands the effect of sin. He understands our plight if left on our own. And he and his heart beat strongly for you and for me. You see, he's on a rescue mission. He wants to seek and to save the lost, which is you and which is me. It's my sin, it's your sin so that we can have life right here on this earth right now with the assurance that his sovereign power and wisdom is at work but also to have this incredible promise of what one day will be like in heaven no more aches no more pains no more sorrows no more no more covid-19 right what a glorious day that we look towards and this is on God's heart it's on his mind And he is committed to do this because he loves us.
4: As we sing this song together today, I want you guys to remember that this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit singing to you. He sees you, he knows your heart, and he hears you. Let's sing this together. never been a moment. You were forgotten. You are not hopeless. You have been broken. Your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper under Darkest night, it's true. I will rescue you. There is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter, I'll be your armor. Bye.
5: This next song that we're going to do is one that's called One Day. And I came to Chris when I was actually listening to a song that we were doing on a Sunday and this popped in afterwards on YouTube. And uh, listening to the lyrics, excuse me, I'm a little emotional, but... Listening to the lyrics of this song, it just proves that one day our Lord Jesus Christ will come back And everything will be just wonderful again. And just remember in this time that we're having, all the hospital rooms, all the families at home, pray to God, pray to Jesus. That's what we all should be doing right now. Because one day, this too will pass. Thank you, God.
1: One day there'll be no more waiting left in our souls. One day there'll be no more children longing for home. One day there'll be kingdoms come right here where we stand, and we will see the promised land. Mm-hmm. One day there'll be no more taken to see. One day there'll be no more need for a hospital. One day the tear will fall right by his hand and we will see the promised land. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. There will be healing from this heart. Feeling or we'll sing in the darkest night because you know that the light will come and there will be healing. Hallelujah! One day there'll be no more anger left in our eyes. One day the color of our skin won't cause a divide. One day we'll be families standing hand in hand. We will see the promised land. We will see the promised land. Hallelujah. There will be healing from this heartbreak we've been feeling. Sing in the darkest night because you know that the like light. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess One day our tired and weary bones find their rest One day the power of evil is brought to an end We will see the promised land We will see the promised land Hallelujah.
0: One of the, we'll say, disadvantages of doing an online service or even being part of a church where there's many people that come as guests and, um, you know, we we have a lot of people coming and going here, is I just don't know where they are at or where people are at when it comes to this Faith and trust in God. Do they know people, do they know, do they know that God is sovereign and he's powerful and wise and he's working in our life or, or not? So, if you don't know that, we'd love to talk to you about that more. Email, Facebook, you name it, you get our attention, we'd love to talk to you about this God of the universe. But I'd like to now draw our attention to a different direction for a moment, And to talk about what I call the now what or so what part of the message. We could know about this God of the universe powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, yet personal enough to know what's going on in our life. But what do we do with that? Well, again, Scripture leads and guides us. Scripture gives us direction and meaning and purpose. And so I want to bring you back into the Old Testament Where you get a glimpse of what God is thinking as he speaks to the servant Isaiah. So if I can have the scripture up there. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. And here's the rest of it. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now do you get what Isaiah is saying? It's really great to be part of the family of God, right? The children of Israel. But this family of God, the children of Israel, is to be a light for the whole world. Because we're starting to get a picture here that this goodness, this grace, this love of God cannot be contained in just, quote, the children of Israel, but it is to be for all people, for all time. In fact, if you go back a couple more chapters, Isaiah weighs in, on what is supposed to be happening. And from Isaiah chapter 42, we're told to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Now very picturesque, and Isaiah quite often gives these messianic prophecies. He paints a picture of what the Savior is going to be. And we found that to be true, right? This is the Jesus that we've come to know and love. But I do believe that he's giving us a little hint here that people like you and me are now called into this so that we can also help by the power of the Holy Spirit open the eyes of the blind. To set those, those people that we know, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, classmates, who might be sitting in this prison of darkness, whether it's fear or worry, and we get to bring the light of God's love. It's an amazing amazing, sovereign God who is entrusting that to you and me. And you've heard me say this, I'll say it again, I'll probably say it a couple more times. I just don't get it. Why is he entrusting it to me? Isn't there a better way? But for whatever reason, he has entrusted this message for us. Now we're going to bridge and go from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and we're going to still see this God, this uh, sovereign God and his heart humanity. Jesus is now on the face of the earth and he is now sharing the attitude of God that is as clear as can be especially in the Lenten season. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up On the last day, and if you see that that second line, God, God does not want to lose a single individual. God's desire, His heartbeat, is that everyone would come to know His Son and find forgiveness and life and salvation and hope and peace and joy. But I'll just tell you at the same time, as much as that is what's beating on God's heart. We also have the enemy. And I'll just tell you, the job description of the enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm watching this enemy try to use this COVID-19 thing to create a fear that is causing people to have dismay and disappointment and disgust, even in God. Like, why is he letting this happen? And I can't answer that. I don't know why he's letting this happen. But I do believe that he wants to use these things to bring us to our knees and to have us look to him and to find hope and salvation in Christ. This is the heartbeat, not just for us, but for the whole world. In fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 says, and to bring light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Again, Paul, who's now gets it, says, this has been on God's heart from the beginning. And now, it's given to the church. It's given to, again, not a building, right? In Columbus, Nebraska, or wherever you are. But it's given to the church, which makes up the people of God who believe in this Jesus. And we get to be that light in the midst of darkness. Um, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, who dealt with Um, a similar situation, the Black Plague, Um, he understood God's activity and God's calling on us in moments like this. This is what Martin Luther had to say. Creation is past, redemption is accomplished, but the Holy Spirit carries on his work unceasingly until the last day. For this purpose, he has appointed a community on earth through which he speaks and does all his work. Again, Luther, in the midst of lots of controversy, lots of illness and disease, and lots of circumstances that are far less than perfect, still acknowledges God is the creator, God is the savior, and God also gives us the Holy Spirit. And God's desire is to use people like you and me to bring light into darkness, to bring hope for the helpless. That's what we're called to do. In fact, I'd like to introduce the, the, what I call a mission statement or God's mission for us is the return of the lost through the efforts of the found. Just like Zacchaeus, right? He was lost and is now found. And we get to, again, we were the lost ones. We now get to be part of this whole work. Now, where we find this calling for us, most specifically, is found in Matthew 28, This uh, this takes us beyond Easter, right? It takes us 40 days beyond Easter. Jesus is assembling a group of people. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he's going to give the marching orders of the church. It's known as the great commission. And I like, you know, if you've seen this before, but a hyphen between it, co-mission. This is something we get to do together with this Holy Spirit who is at work. But in those words... From Matthew 28, there's four verbs that stick out. And I'm going to tell you, not all four of these verbs are equal. I mean, they are, but there's one of these that really is the heartbeat of the commission. And if you think of how it goes, it goes like this All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Beautiful words of Jesus. And we have those four verbs kind of hanging there. Go, make, baptize, teach. We see them hanging there. And for a long time, and maybe that's how you feel, probably the word that we need to look at, and and, and it's really the most important word in there, is the the word go. Go. It sounds like it's something that Jesus is very um, emphatic on. Well, truthfully, if you take a step back and if you look into the original language of Greek, these four verbs really are not equal. There's one of them that is in the imperative tense in Greek. Now, what's imperative? Probably the best way to say it is this way. Like when I, I wouldn't say this to my kids, but. I would go to them and say, it is imperative to you that you listen to me and do what I say. In other words, it's very important. Well, here it is. One of these words is in the imperative tense, and the other three serve that other word. And it's the word make. I mean, much to my surprise, maybe your surprise. You see, the heartbeat of what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission is get out there, make disciples. Oh, and by the way, do it by going And baptizing and teaching. Make disciples by going and baptizing and teaching. You see, the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we're still on this earth. That's why we still have a breath. Is to be out there and making disciples of Jesus. Now don't forget, the starting of the making of disciples begins with me. It begins with you. Just like those pre-flight instructions, right? When the mass drops down, you put it on yourself first. So we, you and me, need to be in the process of being made a disciple by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, by prayer. Uh, That needs to be happening. And then we need to be doing this amongst each other, other uh, fellow believers. And then we take it out into the world because that's why we're here, is to make disciples. And that's really the mission statement for 1C. It's been since the very inception 13 years ago. It's connecting you to Christ, each other, and the community. It is the rhythm of a church. One who believes in Jesus is to be about being connected to Christ, each other, and to the community. In fact, you've seen, and we'll probably show you even more and more over the next couple weeks, uh, this is our logo logo. And it talks about up, in, and out. Up, experiencing God's presence. In, exploring faith and life together. And expand the mission of Jesus to all. Well, I was talking to Greg this week about the sermon and the direction I'm going. You know, he had this light bulb thing over his head. And uh, it was kind of fun. He told me of a video that he would like to put together that would depict this, um, this rhythm of the life, this integration of what does it look like to be a disciple with the video. So let's show the video and then I'm gonna invite Greg up here as well.
6: As we follow Jesus, we are called to live like he did. We live up as we love our heavenly father, in as we love each other, and out as we make disciples. Let's think about this Jesus-shaped life as a campfire. These three logs work together to create a hot, bright fire. As we spend more time experiencing God's presence, exploring faith and life together, and expanding the mission of Jesus, it all works together to create a red hot center in us. The life-giving fire that lives in us burns hotter and brighter as we shine light in the darkness and provide warmth in cold places. Although, if we neglect these three dimensions, or try to separate them, there is no red-hot center. The fire quickly goes dim, the heat fades, and the fire goes out. These three logs no longer work together, but just smolder by themselves. Without tending to all three types of relationships, our faith smolders rather than burning hot. Take time to reflect. If you feel like your faith is smoldering, don't give up hope. Focus on the up, the in, and the out. All three work together. You will grow, He will build, the light will burn brighter as our faith becomes a red-hot center our up grows into passionate spirituality our in is expressed as radical community and our out becomes an undeniable zeal for mission holy spirit give us a red-hot center
0: greg come on over Six feet apart, buddy. <laughs> All right. Okay, we just want to keep keep compliance, but yeah. thank you for that video. Beautiful, Absolutely. powerful depiction of, of the power of what happens when those three elements are together. You've got something for us.
6: Yeah, so we have a, a resource also to help you process and actually reflect on how you're doing personally in this integrated life of a disciple Uh, this resource is found on our website onecchurch.com right above our live stream window there's a link to this Um, and it's a simple triangle with the words up in and out and you can actually take time to reflect and rate yourself on a one through ten and the up the in and the out Um, but I like to say don't use a five because if you're like me, you'll say, oh, I'm about average, put a five down. But um, one through 10, don't use a five and rate yourself. And then it can be a way to um, kind of see maybe one of those dimensions that you might be able to, to work on and improve in a little bit more, knowing that this is an integrated life and not a list of tasks that we want to add on to our lives to make us busier, but a way that we can live our current life in all three dimensions. And then on the back, there's some examples of just some opportunities that we have um, here through 1C Church to get you connected more um, in the up, the in, and the out. Uh, So take a look at this. Spend some time really thinking about it, possibly talking about it with uh, someone that you're close to as a way to help you grow and live in all three dimensions. Good.
0: Thank you. And there's one more slide I'd like to have put up on the screen. And it comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is going to be the power for us as a church, but also as us as individuals. This is Jesus speaking. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So as the Holy Spirit does its thing in our life, in our hearts, our minds, um, all of a sudden we're not going to be able to contain it. We're going to be all about discipling. It's it's going to be part of our rhythm of life for us and for others. So may this Holy Spirit move in a mighty way um, in us and through us, even in spite of us, so that the message of God's love and grace and power and wisdom would become known to all people. In the name of Jesus, amen.
7: Gracious God, these are the prayers of your people. Let us pray. Lord, we have prayers for a brother's girlfriend who had her baby this morning to stay healthy. Lord, we have prayers for a sheriff's deputy's wife who's taking chemo. Lord, there is so many unwritten prayers in our hearts and we come to you with great anxiousness, great confusion about this world that we're living in right now. And there's a lot of change going on in this world, Lord. But we know that you are the constant. You have never wavered. Your promises have always been kept. Please help us to understand that we have no reason to doubt you now. You have brought your people through many hardships and you've shown us that so many times. And your covenant has never changed. Your promises have never changed. And in that we have great comfort The world is sending us messages we don't understand, but just guide us to you, to the cross, but most importantly, to the empty tomb. That will never change. And there's nothing on this earth that can separate us from that truth. Lord, we just ask for comfort for those who are anxious, for those that are confused, for those that are healing, for those that are in forms of uh, isolation, that we there in place. Lord, we just ask that you use this time to bring us closer to you, to draw us near. As the song said, there's healing to be found. and Lord, that healing's already started. And this church, these wonderful people here in this building right now, they've started that healing. Lord, we know that we don't have to wait for that healing to occur. It's here right now in the words of this prayer and for every individual prayer that is being prayed right now, that is healing. And there's no healing like that on this earth. It's only found through you. Lord, we we'll just ask that this, this time be a time for us to draw nearer to you, so near found in the silence it's found in the smiles it's found in all the ways that you're bringing us together that we never otherwise would have thought of lord we'll just pray for this worship team this group here that they continue to bring the message to you all those that are hurting such a needed aspect of this crisis lord there is nothing that can't be reached by these prayers Lord, you taught us, uh, you taught us so many things. But in your word, you tell us to rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of these prayers, for the gift of this team, for the gift of the comfort that you've already started to give. As you taught us to pray so many years ago, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
6: We also have more resources online uh, through 1CChurch.com resources um, along with this sheet. There's a lot of different ways that you can get connected in the up, the in, and the out. Uh, one of the ways is in the up dimension. We have an online Bible reading group where people are meeting online through the Uversion app to read God's Word together daily. Um, on the in, uh, we have groups that are, are still meeting through Zoom. You can go to Next Steps. Join a group or register an event or a class through our website as well. And we have a Life on Mission uh, training starting this Wednesday through Zoom. You can register through our website for that as
0: well. Good. And there's something that we added, I think it was last week, for resources. Yes. Would you talk about that?
6: Yeah, we have a form called 1C Supporting Our Community. So if if you have a need, like getting picking up prescriptions or groceries, um, you can go online click on that form, fill it out, and you'll be connected with people who are volunteering. So if you'd like to volunteer to help fill a need that someone has, same form, go on our website. Um, And above the, at the top, there's a tab, um, COVID-19 update. And on there's that form, 1C Supports the Neighborhoods. You can click on that to volunteer or to let us know what needs you have so we can connect those and make sure you're being taken care of
0: good in fact I call this operation be the church because I think it is something to be active and and dynamic uh, within our heart but also within our community so let us know what ways that we can support you Um, two more things actually three music and this but if I can have a picture up on the screen please this is a friend of mine Brianna maybe you know her This morning, she sends me a Facebook message and says, I sure miss my 1C family. And then she sends me this picture with her and the shirt, um, Jesus Rocks. I I just love it. Her joy for the Lord is infectious. She'll come to a Wednesday night event or or Sundays when she can get over here. um, And she just loves the Lord. And it reminds me why we're here as a church, It's for the Briannas and and for the Johns and the Janes and whoever else, so that they get to know this Jesus and get to know the joy, the peace, the love that we have in him. Now, I want to say, what I'm going to say right now is for the members of 1C, but if you're a guest listening today, feel free to listen in and please pray about this. As we continue to go through uncertain times, we're aware that your life, your world might be uncertain. So we're praying for you. We want to minister to you. Uh, but we also want the members of 1C to prayerfully consider what, in, what ways can you support. And like the resource sheet is one of them. Prayers is another. But your financial support is also important. And we've gotten out of the rhythm. I mean, all families, businesses are out of a rhythm. And we're watching lots of people's lives being dramatically affected. So we're just, we're bringing it to mind if the Lord, uh, again, blesses you, whether it's time, talents, treasure, uh, your finances, don't forget to give to the Lord's work at 1C. We have some online ways to do it. You can send it in as well. But we just want to say, call the church office, email us, we'll talk to you about how to do this so that, again, this ministry will continue for the glory of God and to reach more and more people for Jesus. So, don't, don't always like talking about that kind of stuff, but that's just real mission ministry. So, with that in mind, my second last thing to do is to read this. Um, on our website, you will find a sheet under, what is it under?
6: Uh, it's on where our live streaming yep. window is, right above our live streaming window,
0: and it's called My Commissioning. Okay, My Commission. I found this, I think, about 15 years ago. I, ca- I, I read this quite often because it helps recalibrate me. Because I stray, I kind of lose sight, I kind of go off the beaten path. So I'm going to read this. It is, it's about two and a half minutes long. If you would just do me a favor, just cl- put your phone away. Uh, don't turn off the computer because you need that to hear. Uh, but get away all the distractions that might be in there. I'm going to read this with as much passion as the Holy Spirit can give me. And I pray that this is my commission, our commission, our commission, In this world that we live in. I am a disciple. The minute I became a Christian, I became a disciple. My calling is sure. My challenge is big. My vision is clear. My desire is strong. My influence is eternal. My impact is critical. My values are solid. My faith is tough. My mission is urgent. My purpose is unmistakable. My direction is forward. My heart is genuine, my strength is supernatural, my reward is promised, and my God is real. In a world of cynicism, I offer hope. In a world of confusion, I offer truth. In a world of immorality, I offer values. In a world of neglect, I offer attention. In a world of abuse, I offer safety. In a world of ridicule, I offer affirmation. In a world of division, I offer reconciliation. In a world of bitterness, I offer forgiveness. In a world of sin, I offer salvation. In a world of hate, I offer God's love. I refuse to be dismayed, disengaged, disgruntled, discouraged, or distracted. Neither will I look back, stand back, fall back, or sit back. I do not need applause, flattery, prestige, stature, or veneration. I do not have time for business as usual, mediocre standards, small thinking, outdated uh, methods, normal expectations, average results, ordinary ideas, petty disputes, or low vision. I will not give up, give in, bail out, lie down, turn over, quit, or surrender. I will pray when things look bad. I will pray when things look good. I will move forward when others stand still. I will trust God when obstacles arise. I will work when the task is overwhelming. I will get up when I fall down. My commission is to reach people for God. It is too serious to be taken lightly, too urgent to be postponed, too vital to be ignored, too relevant to be overlooked, too significant to be trivialized. Too eternal to be fleeting and too passionate to be quenched. I know my mission and I know my challenge. I also know my limitations, my weaknesses, my fears, and my problems. And I know my God. Let others get the praise, let the church get the blessing, but let God get the glory. I am a disciple, this is who I am. And this is what I do.
8: sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring
2: Thanks for worshiping with us, everybody. God's peace to you.